Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever to the ages of all ages, Amen. So we celebrate the Feast of the Apostles in a few days, and uh, the church is going to be giving us a focus on, in the next few Sundays, about the service and servants, and what it entails to be a servant of the Lord. And of course, I'm sure you're familiar with the term labor shortage, right? We, you hear that in every field uh, in work, there is a, there's a complaint that there is labor shortages. They're lacking workers in every field. And they're complaining that there are many reasons, all oh, it was COVID or it was whatever uh, things were given to people to stay at home and then they don't want to go back to work and now everything is backed up. Even the lineup at McDonald's is a long lineup. Everything is, there's a complaint about everything, right? Because there's a shortage of laborers. laborers. And the Lord says so, even from the, today's gospel. He said the, 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 the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. This is not new. In every generation, it's been like this. And there's always going to be much less laborers than the harvest. Because the harvest is so great because the Lord wants and desires that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So there's a constant um, demand for laborers. Even when the Lord asks us to pray for the harvest he wasn't focusing on the harvest as much as focusing on focusing on the laborers for that harvest saying the harvest is great but the laborers are few pray therefore the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest like he, he's working on laborers that's why when the, the lord went and called his disciples and when whoever he went to call he goes all the way to sikar to call the samaritan woman it's that one laborer that the lord is seeking that he or she may bring in more into the harvest, of the harvest into the, into the kingdom of God. So there's a shortage. And I'm sure you're familiar with signs like this one, like it says help wanted, right? You see there's help wanted, apply within. Uh, there's a, we're seeking for help, uh, apply here, send here, and then they give you incentives if you apply. But notice how this apply within concept is not just about... Uh, Oh, in the world today, it's about, you know, you go into the store or the company or, or you go online and you apply within. But in reality, when the Lord is calling laborers into His harvest, He's asking us to apply within. To begin with inside our hearts and see where is it that you and I could be laborers for the harvest. There's, there's, there's something that the Lord is seeking out of every heart. Every single one of us has something that the Lord is looking to use for His glory and for the kingdom. And His glory is not just for His glory and we just sit there. His glory is our glory. His, um, when His name is glorified, we are fulfilled. We can't find fulfillment in other things. The world that we live in, of course, is very demanding, very competitive, very high speed. Everything is very difficult. People are exhausted. People are tired. People are burnt out. People are scared. People are worried. But none of these things that they're pursuing are fulfilling them. 
they, they seem like their goals and targets, okay, like even companies, okay, we have to achieve this by this time in the fiscal year and this quarterly and this, all that. But these things don't fulfill the soul. The soul has been designed to be fulfilled by greater things than that. That's why, like it says in the book of Proverbs, to seek one's own glory is not glory. If I look for my own glory, it's not going to glorify. I won't be satisfied even with that. Notice how a person, if, if a person is attacked by the, 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 the battle of vain glory, and they're always seeking their glory, it's never good enough. They can preach and pursue and seek, and it's never enough. It's like a person seeking how many likes they have on social media or how many people like that video or that comment or that whatever. It's never enough because the soul is created in the image of God, infinite, to desire to live eternally, to live for greater things than earthly and temporary glory. So apply within. Every one of us has to start seeking within our hearts. The Lord says, you don't have to look there or look here. The kingdom of God is within you. So we should start making a greater effort, seeking within our hearts, saying, Lord, what is it in my heart? How is it that you have created my heart so unique, so different than his or hers or theirs, that you want to use for something greater than myself, greater than a few decades on earth? What, what is it that you have for, in store for me? If you ask and you look at the saints and you look at the apostles and the disciples, yes, they died for the faith. Some of them were tortured. Some of them went through all kinds of horrible things. But that glory that was awaiting them far outweighs all that. That's why St. Paul says, I, I, I suppose that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared. You know, St. Paul says, in sleeplessness often. He often went without sleep. In fastings, in perils of his own countrymen, in all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of challenges being almost shipwrecked more than once and stoned more than once and all kinds of horrible things. He says, none of these things are worthy to be compared with the glory that is awaiting. So the Lord again says to us in today's reading, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So those laborers are supposed to be who? These laborers are us, right? Every single one of us. Every single one of us is called to this. There are people that might be baptized in the church and live their entire life kind of like uh, attending church. Have you ever heard that? Like some people ask, so where do you attend church? Have you ever heard that term before? Raise your hand if someone has asked you that before or if you said it to someone. Don't be shy. It's not a trick question. Thank you. So attend this, attend, this is not attendance. We're not taking attendance. If we were taking attendance, then the people that greet the people at the door would be taking with a chart attendance. Who came and who didn't? It's not attendance. And it's not about where I go and spend a few moments sitting at a particular pew in the church for years and years and years. No. Laborers are not attendees. There's a huge difference between a laborer and attendees. An attendee just goes and sits there, waiting for the priest to finish whatever he's blabbing about, waiting for whatever to finish to finish, and goes on with their life, attending something else afterwards. So after church, I attend this ceremony somewhere. After church, I go and I do this. After church, I go and drink this hot beverage. 
after church I, and then just attend from one event to the other event to the other event. That's not what a laborer is. Laborers are called to do something for the Lord. And they're invited personally. So if I ask you, what is a laborer in the church? We'll start with the church. We'll start in the church. What is a laborer in the church? Anybody have any key terms they want to throw out for us? A laborer in the church? Serving? Could we define that? Uh, no? You don't want to? Any thoughts? I'm sure you have thoughts running in your mind. Some Simple, simple, simple answer. A laborer in the church is anyone rendering any type of good deed within the church. Anyone. And it's meant to include not just anyone, but everyone. The moment this soul comes out of the waters of baptism, they have been sealed for redemption. They have been stamped for eternal life. And they have been stamped and certified by the Holy Spirit that they may be icons of the Lord who died for them. Every single one of them. Every single one. Every single one is called to go out there and be a laborer for the Lord. Like we said last week, that quote that Father Tadros Ya'ub was quoting from his, one of his servants that served him when he was younger, said, nothing less than being an icon of you, Lord. Nothing less. If it takes me a hundred years to achieve it, let it take what it takes. But nothing less than that, Lord, must I search for and seek. And that is attained through labor. Labor. Ask any mother here who's went through labor. Some moms have been through labor for 24 hours plus. Some moms went through labor that ended with a cesarean section. Some moms went through all kinds of... We asked them, how was labor for you? How was labor? I don't think you're going to hear any moms say, oh, labor was wonderful. I loved labor. I can't wait for the next one. No mother has ever said that in the history of deliveries because it's hard labor. The word labor is not coincidental here. It's a true meaning that there's labor. So when the Lord says the laborers are few, means there's, there's a difference between the quantity of people that serve, let's say, a church or a community, and the quality of the servants. That's why when, when the Lord had this discussion with the Samaritan woman, you know, you Jews say it's in Jerusalem, we ought to worship, and we say it's on this mountain. And then the Lord says, you don't know what you are really called to. Because it's neither here or there that we're called to serve or to worship. But God is spirit. And those who worship Him, those who labor for Him, those who serve Him, must do so in spirit and truth. The Lord is seeking such to worship Him. He's seeking such to serve with Him. Seeking such to labor in His name. Is there anyone who has desired or attempted to serve or to labor in the church for anything other than the glory of God has come and has gone. It's like an assembly line. They come in, they're assembled, meaning they're prepared for service. They do whatever they do for a period of time. That period of time could be as long as a hundred years. Then gone. But those who have chosen to serve for the glory of God, for the salvation and edification of the soul, just like Saint Jude tells us in his epistle that was mentioned in, in the Synexarian today, they're Legacy follows them. It continues far beyond the 50 or 100 years they've lived and served with. 
in their church or their community or their city or their town continues. That's why the Lord says blessed in Revelation 14, blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on, says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, for they have rest from their labors and their works follow them. What they have done follows them unto eternity. They become a school for the salvation of other souls. Become something to follow and imitate. This is what we are called to, to serve. That's the caliber of laborers the Lord is seeking. That's the caliber He's seeking. So anyone and everyone rendering any type of good deed. So the good deed could be as what some people call menial or simple or not worth it in some people's books and yet it's worth it in the books of God picking up something on the floor. Like imagine just walking in. I just noticed there was a Kleenex on the corner there by the pew. You pick it up, you throw it out. You have just become, begun to be a laborer for the Lord. And so on. The list goes on. And none of these things are menial to the Lord because he says even a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple will not lose its reward. So imagine taking on everything I do with that kind of uh, view or perception because that's how the Lord views it. He says, what kind of credentials do we need to serve the Lord? What, what is the Lord looking for? Pardon? Humility. He's looking for humility, yes. What else is He looking for? Hmm? Obedience. What else? Love. Humility, obedience, love. Sorry? Priorities, prioritizing. When He called the disciples, who was He calling? Did he call Herod the Great? Did he call Philip the Tetrarch? Did he call Caesar? Who did he call? You know very well who he called. The simple fisherman, the hated tax collector. All of these are the ones that the Lord began to handpick. He handpicked his disciples, as you know. Just as he's handpicking every single one of us. So there are no credentials really needed. No demand for former credentials. What is needed is a willing heart. Just like when in Isaiah chapter 6, are you, who, whom shall I send? And Isaiah practically throws his hand up in front of the throne of God. Here I am, send me. The Lord is not looking for credentials. Show me, show me your CV. The Lord is not looking for CVs. He's not looking for degrees in theology. He's looking for a willing heart that is willing to let the Lord mold and shape this person into a fisher of men and fisher of women for the glory of God. There has to be a desire for this, a will. That's why in the book of Proverbs it says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Commit your works. To commit something means to dedicate it for something. When I decide this is it, I'm going to do this, regardless of the difficulty, regardless of the hard labor, Regardless of the humiliation, we saw what it said about St. Jude in the Synexarian today. It says that he went through many humiliations. St. Peter himself, after they were beaten by the, the, the Sanhedrin, they went and says, he reminded the, the rest of the disciples that we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. This is the law of the kingdom. Because our, the, our king went through it. That's what he went through. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a manger. 
He didn't die a peaceful death surrounded by family and loved ones. He died as a criminal on a cross in Rome, in Jerusalem. He, he was killed brutally, unfairly, no justice. This is our king. So we're called to imitate our king. Perhaps we're not going to go through everything he went through because of his grace and mercy. Because he went through it for us, but we're called to follow in the footsteps of the flock that preceded us. All of the disciples went through difficulties. Every single one of them. You say, well, St. John didn't die by bloodshed. True, but he was exiled on an island to die. And yet in the middle of that exile, the Lord sends him the revelation of Jesus Christ. The last prophecy. The prophecy of the New Testament. Once we commit our ways to the Lord, commit our works to the Lord, then our thoughts start to become unified. I'm no longer scattered in my mind. Sunday I want to serve the Lord. Monday I want to go kill someone because they just almost ran over my car or they nicked my mirror. It, there's no inconsistency like that anymore. The inconsistency starts to lessen and the, the gap between disciple of Christ and satanic worship start to become narrower and narrower and narrower. So there's no more gray zone. There's no more gray zone. I start to be established in thought for the works of the Lord, desiring to serve Him, desiring to serve Him. St. Peter says, as you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, could be rejected by people. Matthew was rejected by his community as a tax collector. But in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones. You're not called to death, but to life, being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're called to do this. We're called, every one of us, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. So even if I'm cleaning in the church, cooking in the church, building in the church, everyone is called to a greater purpose. You know, there are stories of this, this person, I mean, I'm paraphrasing the story very quickly, but a person who was a well-known servant in a part of the world, not in Canada, went to, um, to offer their service. Said, I, you know, I used to serve at such and such a church. And they were servants of the word. They preached the word. They, did, you know, they were known in their parish. So they went to this church uh, because they moved. And they said, uh, is there anything I could do here? I said, sure. Right now we don't have that much service for what you're looking for, but we do have a particular need. We need someone to clean the pews from all the dust before every meeting. I said, sure. I could do that. He felt, wow, it's too bad. Like I can't really use my talents anymore. But he took it as an opportunity. So they gave him a towel and he started wiping the pews every meeting before the church started. And as he was wiping, week after week, the meetings that the attendance started to grow. More and, people, more and more people started to show up. And they, they noticed that in the church. said, how come there's, there's more people? They wondered, is, is it different speakers, different topics, different words? What is going on? Why is this growing? And then by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, they realized this man was, as he was wiping the pews, was praying for every soul that would be sitting at that spot before they arrive. Lord, I pray that this soul is touched by your word, that they may come to you. And of course, gradually... The work of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit was working mightily and things were changing. 
So from wiping a pew to whatever you consider as the most important service in the church. And it must be done in spirit and truth. So the call is for everyone, even the one wiping the pew is called to be part of the mission of the church. The mission of the church is that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You're serving this, you're serving that, you're doing this, doing this, or doing that or the other. Everyone is called to bring souls to Christ. If we're not bringing souls to Christ, then we have not yet discovered our mission. Every single one of us. And this morning's Matin's Gospel, the Lord concludes the Gospel with the Great Commission. Every one of you has read this more than once. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is the call. The call is to make disciples. To teach others to, or to show the love of Jesus through your love for Jesus. You know, it's, it's, it, it, actually, the love of Christ is a contagious thing if we let it. I'm, I have to start with myself, of course. But sometimes, of course, we get discouraged along the way and the service becomes difficult and we forget that these are the words of the Lord regarding the service. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but the servant to give his life a ransom for many. He proved it by shedding his own blood. He gave his blood a ransom for many. This is what we're called to. Every single one of us. Called to this. Say, so well, how can, you know, I, I'm not, I think I can do this. I might be able to do this. I might be able to serve this way. And to be a slave for all. You want to test? There's a test. What do you think the test is? This is the test. An easy way to tell if you have a servant heart is how you act when you're treated like a servant. Of course, because the definition of servant in the church community has become like a definition of I serve, so I, I have some sort of prestige. But in reality, a servant of the Lord is called to be a slave of all. And if how the, how the slave reacts in their heart is a proof of their heart as a servant. The Lord says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. The servant is called to die for others. Just like when the husband and wife are married. The husband puts on the gold, the red ribbon, and he's being told by the deacon, Husbands, love your wives. This is Christ, love the church, and gave himself for her. Die for the church. The call to service is that, but it's the only real fulfillment for the soul, again, that was created in the image of God. The Lord says, again, in the same chapter, so that was John 12, 24, 12, 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there also, also shall my servant be. Where I am, there will be my servant. So any service in the church, any service done in the name of Christ, if it's not done in the spirit of this, it's not done with prayer together. You know, they say the family that prays together stays together. That goes also for the church. The church that prays together stays together. And grows together. That's why it says in the book of Acts that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So the faith, the breaking of bread, and fellowship and prayer. It's these, the steadfast continuance. Somebody earlier said love, right? St. Paul says it. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. If I do all kinds of speaking or serving without have love, no love, I, have, I am nothing. Though I bestow my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. This is why the Lord said, 
By this all will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the fervent love for one another will cover a multitude of sins. So I want to leave you with a couple of things to think about before the liturgy ends. St. Paul says to the Galatians, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Remember we talked about labor? This is what St. Paul looks, how he perceives the service of the Lord, the labor. That he's in labor trying to deliver a baby. Non-stop, constantly. One soul after the other, after the other, after the other. This is his view of the service. He says, every one of us ought to look at each other this way and want to deliver each other from the claws of Satan into the kingdom of God. But when we, the love goes down, it's because we're starting to notice other things than the love of God. When the love goes down, it's because we're starting to look at the flaws and the imperfections in one another. But that cannot bear fruit at all. St. Moses, the strong, says God will not hear our prayers unless we acknowledge ourselves to be sinners. We do this when we ponder on our own sins alone and not on those of our neighbor. When it's no longer about the mistakes of my neighbor, but my mistakes. That's why St. Peter says, Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. I want to leave you, finally, with the heritage of the servants. This is what the servants inherit at the end of time. That's what Isaiah says in chapter 54. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. This is your heritage. This is what you're called to inherit. No one can stand before you because the Lord is leading you unto glory. I want to ask you to do this with me. Pray this prayer with me today. This is what St. Paul is encouraging us to do. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Again, it's called labor. It's a labor in the Lord, but it's not in vain. Does anybody remember this? I hid the verse. Who said this to who here? Anybody remember? If you remain silent at this time, Mordecai, to who? Esther. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. When Esther was chosen queen of Persia instead of Vashti, and she was in the palace, and then Haman the Agagite prepared the plot to destroy and wipe out the Jews... Mordecai was outside in the court hearing all this and all the Jews were in dismay. They thought that their death was imminent. Esther was inside the palace, had, hadn't been in front of all this catastrophe. She didn't know what to do. Mordecai told her, you have to do something. She said, what am I supposed to do? The king hasn't called me in over a month. What am I supposed to do? So Mordecai tells her this. You could remain silent. You could do nothing. You can just be an attendee for the rest of your life sitting in the palace warm. You could do that. But you will perish at the end. Just like the, the parable of the talents, the one who had that one talent and buried it underground, did nothing with their talent because they thought, you know, it's not worth it. They can't. They don't know how. They didn't receive a praise for the fact that they buried their talent underground. They were supposed to use it for the kingdom of God. Every one of us is in this situation right now. We can ignore and be attendees for the rest of our lives. 
but we will perish because of it. The Lord is not looking for bench warmers. He is looking for people to run on the field and win. This is what we're called to do. Who knows if you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther came for that particular moment, for that particular position. That's what you and I are called to as well. Should I stop here? I think so. I think so because we can go on and on, but you're probably thinking, why is it taking so long? Forgive me. May God grant us grace to be laborers forever and be crowned with the glory that he wants to give us. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.